Hey everybody, it's Mark Thompson, and this is the Chief Executive Podcast. You know, every week I get the opportunity and the privilege of meeting with and talking about leadership with some of the most iconic leaders in the world. But here's a guy who runs a company that's the biggest in its industry, and you've never heard of it, Cardinal Health. These guys with over $170 billion in revenues. I mean, you talk to Mike, they don't even know him in Columbus, Ohio, where they're based, and they're the biggest employer in Ohio. And what's beautiful about this man and the business is it's so purpose-driven around health, transformation, and delivery of services that couldn't be even more important than at any other time in history. Listen to how Mike, along with Pranay Agrawal, who's the CEO of Fractal, an artificial intelligence company, we both pile on this conversation about how do you really engage people in a digital world, and how can we really make a difference as a leader in this new phase of disruption and change? Listen to Mike and Pranay. So honored to have the opportunity to learn from and, and work with Renee Agrawal and Mike Kaufman, both leaders in their field. And today we're going to be starting off with a conversation around leadership and thinking about the incredible disruption from the markets, from the pandemic, and from the world we've been living in. And what's it like really managing as a leader in that kind of environment? And, and how have these two gentlemen been so effective? Uh, in that situation that was so often a crisis for so many industries. So let's start with you, Mike, talking a little bit about the organization that you're leading. Maybe give us a little framework around that. Most people know your bio, but how you characterize uh, what your organization does and, and really how you as CEO have been approaching this particular period in time. Yeah, well, Cardinal Health is a... Um is a, a company a lot of people don't know because we're B2B. So even in our own hometown, we're not recognized very, very often, even though we're the largest company in Ohio. But I've been with the company now 31 years out of its 51 years of existence and have had a chance to serve in a lot of roles. I love the fact that it's in healthcare. I think being in healthcare does help you motivate employees because they know what we do at the end of the day is very important. It could touch one of their family members or, or any of the folks that they care about. So they can see themselves uh, in, in the importance of their job. So we're a $170 billion company and um, global company. And I'm, I'm excited to be part of this and have been part of the company for so long. You know, that kind of tenure, you've seen so many different market environments. You've seen crises, you've seen expansions, recessions. You've seen threats that have come from inside and outside. How, how do you advise or, or share what has been working for you best when there's so much change going on uh, as, as a leader in an organization today? Yeah, you know, the thing that's most interesting right now is I think this is actually one of the hardest times for leaders in general. I know it is for me because what has been working for many of us, like in my case for 35, 40 years, doesn't necessarily work in today's environment. And so as a leader, you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to listen to your employees and understand how they feel and what might work for them, right? And so I honestly, when I was thinking about leadership right now, one of my big things in my mind is willingness to listen and change. You know, for instance, uh, our employees, at first, right, they were very excited about coming back. They wanted COVID to be over. They worked from home, but that was temporary. They were all coming back. And now, two years later, 
Maybe a third of our employees want to come back three days a week or more. The rest want this flexibility and stuff. So as a leader, how do you accept that as reality, which is hard for some CEOs as I've listened to them, including myself, I've had to adjust. And then how do you give people a sense of loyalty and belonging and stay focused on initiatives? So you have to be willing to change and listen to your employees and adapt your style, I think, now more than ever. You think about that adaption and listening deeply, what's been working best for you? I know that you've also been willing to courageously take on certain themes like diversity and inclusion. And as I'm thinking about trying to keep people engaged when they're remote, which may be the permanent future of this hybrid, um, how, how have you thought about that? And, and you've been willing to kind of step up and step out. Yeah, it's, you have to, you do go through some remorse. Like for me, I loved giving, getting my lunch every single day going to the cafeteria, standing in line and talking to employees and see what was going on. I can't do that anymore. Now that the cafeteria is open, I might see two people. I mean, they just It's just very different. So activities that you're used to and you like to do and how you engage with employees is very different. So in the last two years, I've done a lot more pot, podcasts, a lot more um, types of activities like that, town halls, podcasts, notes to employees, setting up on purpose Zoom calls to meet with anybody that starts at a VP level or above, any new one we get, doing a call with them for a minimum of 30 minutes to say, welcome to the company. How are you doing? What questions might you have for me? So finding ways to engage, I think you have to be more thoughtful than ever than you used to because you just used to have natural interactions and you don't have those today. So then you have to be very purposeful. So that's one thing I would say. The second thing I would say is you have to find a group of truth tellers. And I've always believed in that no matter what the topic, whether it's DE&I, uh, you know, I've had a, when I was focused on gender equity, I had a group of women that were my truth tellers. I'm highly focused on um, race over the last couple of years. So I have seven African-American um, leaders that are my truth tellers. But it's the same way about dealing with COVID and, and engaging with employees is I find employees and I reach out to them and I meet with them and say, hey, is my message resonating? And they were very clear early on. It was like, mm, not so much, Mike, because you keep saying you want everybody to be back. And then you say, but you understand, but they don't hear the rest of it. They hear you want them back. So they assume they're going to have to come back. And so listening to a truth teller tell me, how they're hearing what I said is so powerful and it helped me adjust my mm -hmm. message and understand that I got to be very careful to, to, to make sure people understand that while I may wish they would be back because I like seeing them, I'm really truly okay with this virtual environment, but we, you know, how do I engage them and get them excited about work and being at Cardinal? That's amazing. Prene is a, a leading technologist really transforming the way we think about AI at scale. And you sound like Pranay and when you talk about the frequency of this engagement level mm -hmm. having to be amplified. I was talking to Enrique Loras, the, the CEO of HP, was saying, you know, I, I wanted to be there in the lunch line, but now I realize I could be on every factory floor. I could be in every office. They could be standing side by side with me, at least virtually uh, on the Zoom squares or in a video conference. Pernay, what's your take on this and, and what have been the implications that you might offer uh, to Mike? Yeah, so obviously a big change for us as well because, you know, we were used to being in these meeting rooms.
coding and solving problems in real time and you know people get the energy from each other so there's a lot of excitement around that and we had to completely change that and uh, the benefit that we have is that we don't deal in a physical product so that really makes it somewhat easier uh, at the same time i think uh, you know we've been able to turn this to our advantage in many ways yes i mean i do uh, find that you know when we meet together as a team uh, in a conference room or you know walk out together to get lunch there are aspects there that cannot be replicated whatever you may do at the same time i think there have been some you know real advantages here uh, the number of uh, client conversations that i'm able to engage in now simply because it's totally acceptable to be on a video call right while earlier it would have been expected that i fly out and meet them for that 30 minute or 1 hour meeting and likewise the frequency with which we are able to connect with our team members across the world and we used to do once in a quarter town hall we've now moved that to a weekly town hall it's become an sort of embedded part of our culture now it's kind of expected and every week we do that and that's been phenomenal and i'm doing multiple you know new joiny onboardings and you know one go you're meeting 25 30 people talking to them about their backgrounds their aspirations and letting them know that you know you are accessible just reach out anytime over you know teams or you know email or call or whatever right so i think in some ways uh, that's been very very helpful and i think we have also adjusted to this notion of being virtual so there are people that i've never met uh, like they may have joined our company haven't met them for a year and then when i meet them it doesn't feel like i it's it's i'm meeting them for the first time so i think some of you've also adjusted to this whole video thing being sort of you know more real mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so that, that's sort of my take yeah when when uh, pranay when you think about how technology is changing so many industries i i would imagine there's a good conversation here about what mike's doing in in healthcare as well how would you frame the question for mike you know mike like you said you know uh, you feel great about the fact that you're in healthcare and you play such an important role for society ensuring that we have the supply of medication is there at the right price points uh, at the same time you're a for profit business and you need to deliver you know profits and you need to deliver returns to shareholders uh, the distribution business it is a tough business you know um, uh, it, you know margins are tight right so as you think about balancing these uh, forces uh what are your thoughts on how digital transformation ai and this modern technology can be deployed at cardinal uh, to meet your objectives better more efficiently uh what are the areas where you're thinking of applying all of these to your business yeah it, there's a lot one of the things i find interesting is to try to think about what if covid had happened even 20 years ago and you didn't have zoom and the other capabilities that we're all used to i i can't even fathom how i could have sent people home and found a way to communicate so i think people take technology so much for granted but what it allowed companies to do and I, and really it was almost every company within a week was able to have their people at home and being efficient and getting things done and talking to customers just 20 years ago i i can't even imagine how much of a disaster it would be so one of the things that makes me excited about technology and knowing that's going to get continue to get better is that it allows businesses to completely adapt 
And so that, that's one thing that I think people ought to keep in mind. As I think about our business, I think about technology probably in three different buckets. One is we have some pure technology companies. That, that is the complete offering is all technology based. You know, we have a company called OptiFreight. It's all about reducing your freight costs, managing freight costs. It's all done through technology. There's not a product other than a tech product that you're selling. It's software as a service to customers. Um, our outcomes business is all about managing adherence to drugs through technology and, and apps and, and using that. And we have another business, Wavemark, that's RFID, that's managing inventory and making sure it's not expired product isn't going inside of people in surgeries and things like that. So we have a bucket of what I would call pure technology businesses. So you have to, as a CEO, organize and understand that the talent in those businesses, the way they operate their capital needs, their cash flow is all very, very different than a core distribution business. So you have that bucket. Then you have what I'll call offerings, where we have these large distribution businesses, but one of the ways they win the distribution business is by having good offerings, such as you know being able to give value-based care software to our physician's offices that we're selling drugs in the physician's office or offer packaging solutions for you know pharmacies so they can give a patient compliance packaging, those types of things. Some you do yourself, in some, for instance, we've done a lot with partnerships. We've partnership with, uh, with Zipline to be able to do drone delivery and many other partnerships. And then I would say there's an enablers. A lot of what Pranay is doing, working with companies like his and internal folks to use AI and RPA to drive out costs, identify opportunities to improve the customer experience and so we've been doing a lot of those types of things in partnering with individuals or, again, creating talent. So I think as a CEO, you have to really think about technology in different buckets because it requires different types of leadership, different kinds of investments. But you have to have all three in today's world. There isn't a piece of business that we have that we're not going to win and lose because if we're not successful with tech in some way. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And and you touched upon, you know, this great point about being able to bring in that capability and not being able to, you know, win in future without uh, this being successful. Uh, so just to follow up on that question, you know, Cardinal Health uh, is, I'm guessing, built on, you know, this tremendous uh, domain capability in pharma and healthcare in the area of supply chain, in the area of contracting, pricing, uh, customer, uh, you know, knowing your customer and customer care and all of that, correct? And now as you think forward, you need to bring in all of these new capabilities. That's AI or it's RPA or, you know, it's uh, engineering and cloud and all of that kind of stuff. As a CEO of such a giant organization uh, with thousands and thousands of people who are so good at what they've been doing, how do you go about bringing this new capability into the organization and ensuring that the organization accepts it and starts to use it? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it, it's in a couple different ways. I think, first of all, there's times as a CEO, you have to help your own employees and sometimes yourself understand where you're really good at something and where there are people that can do it better than you. For instance, 
there are, you know, we could have decided, for instance, to outsource. Um, we could have we could have automated, right short, and done a lot of different things around, say, our finance organization. We could have done it ourselves, but we knew that could take several years. We didn't have people that understood a lot of the software and technical capabilities. We didn't have the, you know, the, the resources outside of the U.S. So instead, we found a partner that we partnered with that sometimes people will go, oh, yeah, but if they're making money, that's costing us something. Well, actually, no, because if they can get us there three years sooner and they can deploy efficient technology much faster and quicker than their profit is waste we would have had. And so here we are, we're capturing significant value um, in certain back office areas that we've outsourced because we came to the realization someone else could do it better because they're doing it at scale. They have the technology, the experience, you know, the people. And I think CEOs have to get comfortable that in all, especially with technology related areas, you can't do it all yourself necessarily effectively. So I think that's one thing that you have to keep in mind. And then there's other times which is similar to that where it's not a complete turn it over to someone else, but partnerships. You know, for instance, we have one of the best cold chain, I think, um, the way we deliver drugs from a cold chain perspective is, I think, second to none. But it still could be a lot better. And so instead of trying to completely invent it ourselves, we partnered with a company called Ember Health. And Ember is, you might know them as the company that has the heated coffee mugs and stuff that you get. Well, they created another division that we're partnering with them to create a cold chain box that we have now, we are um, in the process that we have launched where we're shipping drugs that can stay refrigerated at consistent temperatures for 72 hours. That if for some reason, you know, they, it goes outside of, you know, the a truck breaks down, it can be plugged back in. It's like a mini refrigerator, but it can be reused hundreds of times. And so it eliminates all of the styrofoam, the cardboard, the gel packs. We believe that just in one part of our business, it'll eliminate 7 million pounds a year of waste that's going into dumps and just, and then it's a better experience for the customer. We, you know, again, these are things that maybe you could figure out yourselves, but together when you partner with other people, you can come up with some great things, but then you also have to have that third bucket where you do innovate yourself. And that's why my head of strategy and business development, my CIO form our innovation. Um, they, they lead innovation for us by bringing in outside speakers, by showing our employees where we've been successful in innovation and different definitions of innovation. So I think you have to do it in all three buckets in order to be truly successful. That makes a lot of sense. When I think about how you're applying those technologies and when I think about how those technologies also building on Pranay's question have implications for sustainability, which you touched on, could you talk about what it means to be thinking about ESG today? It feels that so many organizations are prioritizing it. The capital markets in many respects are also prioritizing it in, in new ways that are holding organizations accountable. How, how are you thinking about it at Cardinal? I would say from a couple different perspectives. One is investors, like you said, there are investors that expect that. 
but it's still it's the right thing to do. And I think years ago, a lot of these would have cost you more as a company to do things in a way, and it made some of the choices harder. Today, you can do a lot of these things and be even more cost effective. For instance, my example of Ember Health, we're going to eliminate a lot of waste, but we actually also believe it's going to save us money because these are reusable. The patient, the uh, physician, when he gets the box after they take the drugs out, he or she could just hit a button and the screen on the box switches to the Cardinal shipping label and they hand it to the FedEx driver and they bring it right back and, and it's done. It's out of their hands. It's simpler for them. It reduces waste and we can reuse it over and over and over. So it's going to save us millions, save the environment millions. So I think people need to challenge their thinking on ESG today around these types of areas that eliminating waste does not mean more cost. There are ways to do that with AI and with technology and with um, lean thinking to, to do that. I think that's one important thing. Another area for ESG that, as you know, Mark, is very important to me is DE&I. I spent a lot of time talking about DE&I. It's, I think, a companies has to be great at this because you need to expand the amount of talent that you're able to access. And that's hard to do if people don't believe you really care about this and you can attract that talent. Then you have to retain them. And if you're going to be more innovative, we all know the, the studies show that diverse companies do better. And so for all of those reasons, DEI, environmental types of things, those are all important, not only to the environment and investors, but to your people. They want to work for companies and stay at companies that do those things well. It's a, it's a remarkable transformation. And I, I, I think about your comment about, frankly, we used to believe that it was a tax to think about these things. And now we realize that whatever might have been a constraint there is now creating dividends and creating and unlocking innovation in new ways. Surely I, you must be seeing this, Pranay, with the work you do in AI, particularly around sustainability. Companies like Mike's unlocking innovation that ends up actually better and cheaper. No, absolutely, absolutely. I think huge opportunities in, you know, getting more efficient with energy consumption. Uh, I mean, just if you take the example of, you know, uh, uh, Cardinal, uh, I'm sure Mike, you know, through the use of AI is already finding lots of savings in, you know, transportation, right? Uh, huge thing, packaging, as you mentioned. And all of this is great for the world sustainable, better for society, and better for the shareholders. So it's a win-win situation. It's just that we need to get away from thinking that it's a tax, uh, but you know, think of it as an opportunity. Absolutely. When, when I think about the journey that you've both been on, I'd love to close with this question for you, for you both. Maybe we'll start with you, Pranay. You know, what, what do you wish you knew as a leader today after having scaled a company now that's gone through um, its many financings and um, it has been, frankly, had a tiger by the tail when you think about the, the nature of AI and learning and all the rest. What, what do you wish you do uh, when you started out on this journey that you know today from a leadership standpoint that we might also help others not have to follow in all of our footsteps <laughs> exactly the same way? No, I'd say uh, maybe uh, three things, right? Uh, number one is uh, on talent that, I don't think you always hear this, 
but you know it's really about internalizing it and believing it and doing it right that uh, get the best that that you can and and you know imagine that best and then maybe go for better than that right <laughs> that is that that is one and 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 do that do that quickly don't settle for less i think that's kind of number one um and i think number two is that uh be bolder uh go for you know bigger opportunities the time and energy is the same and uh, it's just a question more of you know being bold and going after those bigger opportunities and i think the third is that decisions don't necessarily get better with time so you're just thinking that you know i'm going to take more time i think you're really just sort of you know using that time to get more comfortable but i don't think you're necessarily improving the quality of that decision so i think be willing to make decisions faster and act your decisions will get better uh, if you act and incorporate the feedback uh, so i would say that's those those would be some of my top uh, things yeah that's a great idea there's nothing like actually having that decision have impacts in the world and the world is smarter than any of us individually for sure how about you mike you've had this incredibly long career built this organization around a purposeful out outcomes for the people that that you serve what what do you wish you knew what's what would you tell the 20 year old version of mike as you think about this question it struck me that when i think about right before i stepped in the role like if when i was i was cfo before i became ceo and i think about has i had any big surprises since i became ceo and i would say actually no i haven't had any big surprise since i've gotten into the role but that's because i've spent a while really surrounding myself by um other ceos that were already in the job and learning from them or honestly spending time with you and marshall and reading some of the materials and stuff that you know you start to get experience in thinking about oh i'm you know other pe- people are willing to share here's some of the mistakes i made so i haven't had any what i would say big surprises i've moved into the role itself but going back if you if you look at it from my 20 year old self i i would say this ability what has served me well is being authentic and transparent you know i was with a a customer that we lost several years ago last night for dinner and he said to me um you know when our contract's up i i really want to come back and i said what why is that and he said because you know mike one of the things that i've always liked about you and what you've done at the company is you've always been transparent and authentic when you couldn't do something you just say we can't it's not going to work or here's why you always had our best interest and i feel like now i get the run around and i never get a straight answer um where with you even if i didn't like the answer you were always straightforward with it and as i've met customers several of them over the years have commented on wow there's so many times i've been surprised that i wanted to give you business or some piece of it and you said no that's not the right thing for you and here's why i wouldn't do it that way i would do it this way and so i think being authentic and transparent it serves you well as a leader um employees appreciate it they can tell when you're not being transparent and authentic and in this world we're in now mm. having if you had not been that way prior to covid 
it would have been harder to manage through that. So that's a big one that I, I feel strongly about. And then I think to be an effective CEO, you do have to stay calm and focused that you can't look like your hair's on fire. You know, I remember one day walking into the building and all I honestly, I was truly just thinking of something and I was walking in and I remember within a minute of being in my office, our HR person came down and said, Hey, Mike, are you okay? I said, what do you mean? Well, the security guard saw you walked in and you didn't say hi this morning. And he was wondering if everything was okay. And I was like, wow. Cause I always stop and talk and, and that one morning, I just had something on my mind, and it just made you think of the power when you sit in these roles, how important it is to be aware of your surroundings and the, the need for people to see you being on top of it, calm, focused, hands on the wheel. It's really important. I, I just want to you know, uh, follow through on that last comment of yours, which is that, yes, I have been surprised as to how much people observe people in leadership position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And every single thing is noticed and it is analyzed and interpreted, whether there is reason for that interpretation or not. So exactly. I guess we just have to exactly. be very, very careful and purposeful about how we show up. That's right. You know, they are looking at all leaders under a microscope and trying to interpret and get as much value as possible. And then as coaches, we always say, don't add too much value, draw them out. And you both do that brilliantly. <laughs> Make sure that they can be their best. And that's that's your hallmark. And I, I have to say how grateful I am to know you and, and call you friends and, and learn from you. I know everybody listening and watching this program will get enormous value from uh, the way you show up uh, and have been making a difference. So thank you so much for being Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm Mark Thompson, and please don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes every week.